everybody. Let me practice this. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. This is the Enemy Slime Podcast, episode number... 51. 51. 51. I am your your host, Jared. Just warming up my vocal cords to, you know, really, really put some gusto into the show. And uh, that that helpful chap that you heard with me is Mr. J. Joseph. Uh, Hello. We're also joined today by subject matter expert Lucio Lorenzino. And we also have a video game specialist, Doug Wilson. That is I. There you have it. I think this is the most uh, stable our cast has been in a long time. We've had a good yeah, run, haven't we? Quite so a while. I will never be on it again. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start by talking about ethics, because Jay says I'm basically a commercial, and I feel like I should defend myself oh so slightly. I didn't this say that. This is brought to you by Microsoft. I- no, no, no! If you're gonna call me a commercial in private, then let's just drag it. Let's let's air our dirty like, laundry. It's just like airing our dirty laundry in front of public. No one wants to air our fight, in, in, you know, behind closed doors. Let's air. So our... you said you said that the the Xbox is experiencing a price drop, and you basically said this is a this is the best time to buy the Xbox. I did not say that. I did not say that. If you go back, if you go back and you read what I said, I said if you have been on the fence about it, this might be what convinces you to finally take the plunge. Uh, I think that, and and to clarify, I hate my Xbox. I fucking hate that stupid system because it just, every time I turn it on, there's at least a 60% chance that I'm going to have to unplug the power and plug it back in to get it to actually boot. Because I don't know if it's, I don't know what it does while it's asleep. I don't know if it's trying to like update itself and it can't figure out how to do that or, you know, what exactly. But very frequently, it just decides that it's not going to, to boot. As a, as a matter of fact, fun story, I got Sunset Overdrive today. And I, okay. brought, I brought it home, and I put the disc in, and the Xbox boots up to just like a black screen. And I'm like, oh, well, this is normal, shitty Xbox. <laughs> and so I go ahead and I unplug it, and I plug it back in, and I turn it on. And sure enough, it boots once more. And I was, I was just kind of feeling down about it, because like everything else I have works. So I was just kind of like, oh, this is a bummer. It's less reliable than like a PC, you know, it, it, it's ridiculous. And um, I'm looking through the Sunset Overdrive case and I see that it has a uh, one of those codes to redeem for like the, you know, it's the pre-order bonus kind of thing, some right. skins yeah. and stuff. And I think to myself, God, you know what? It's really cool. Like, yeah, the Xbox has its problems, but it's really cool that uh, all of their code redemption stuff has just a QR code on it, and you just scan it with the Kinect, and it just auto-redeems the the code for you, so you don't have to type the code in. And I was like, well, that's really cool, and I started feeling good about my purchase again. Guess what didn't fucking work? (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and guess it was the QR code scan. I scanned it twice, and it's like, sorry, no. And then I typed in the code, and it worked fine. I don't (laughs) even know where to start, Um man. Okay. So, if you're thinking about getting an Xbox, I mean, if you like Halo, this is this is a good time to get an Xbox. Like, I, I think the Master Chief Collection is actually a pretty like for sixty bucks to get all those games up-res to HD and what is essentially a brand new multiplayer mode. That's pretty sweet. Is it like yeah. up-res? or is it just like one of those fake ones that just blow everything up? No, it it looks like uh, the footage I've seen of it looks really nice. Like it, it looks like it's been. You know, kind of overhauled and had some big changes to the engine. So Wait. it's not like it's not like Silent Hill HD where they got rid of the fog. No, and I, they, you can see like you know the entire map, but then the 
stages just randomly disappear. It, it doesn't feel like that when I look at it. Um, I think right. what, well, what it is, it's a... It's uh, not Konami, though, so don't worry about it. Halo 1 is just like the previous... Com- uh, the one they had for the Xbox 360, but it's kind of blown up. Um, Halo 2 is like almost from the ground up, like rebuilt to look a lot better. And then okay. the Halo 3 and 4 are just, I think, kind of just blown up again and look and a little bit crisper. Yeah, See, it, it seems like I don't, the I don't most work. I, I was going to say, I, I think the most work's been put into two. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's just a, a thing with Konami. It's like every time you hear about an HD edition, it's just they blow it up and... Um, I did a comic about this that you guys had experienced. <laughs> what happens when you take something and turn it HD when it wasn't designed like that in the first place? Yeah, um, Halo 2 looks uh, really good. Okay, There's, well, that, that's, there's that's games that are good, like um, the Okami HD AD remake was really good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the people that made Okami aren't, weren't really doing anything. They didn't have anything else to do with their time well, but go back to Okami. Aren't they uh, largely platinum games now? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's we're what they making, went off for. We're making porn. the Bayonetta, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ba- what did? How did you say that? Bayonetas. Oh, okay. All right, that's fine. I just heard it wrong. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I if you if you think that I'm shilling for Xbox, let me come back and just say I, I really don't like my Xbox. I think it's that, that, that really offended you. Out of the three, <laughs> out of the three, it is definitely my least favorite. But I will tell you what I am shilling the fuck out of for is GOG and LucasArts, because they launched six LucasArts games on their platform today, many of which have a wide array of problems running on modern hardware, and uh, I could not be happier, because I think almost every single one of those games is a game that I had as a kid that is, like, super, super special to me, especially Sam and Max. Everybody here has played that, right? Nope. Not I. For real? Jay? What's Sam and Max? Sam and Max hit the road. No, is that is that a thing I should know? I can't even fucking. I <laughs> podcast over. I don't even see know you later, everybody. I don't even know where to start with that. Well, it's five ninety nine, and it's pretty much the best adventure game that LucasArts ever made. So, if you didn't play it, you you really should. It would it would really be. Yeah, it would just everything would sit better with me if I knew that you had played it. That's not a high endorsement. So anyway. That's my story. Anything else in the news? Um, no. Game of Thrones. We have a lot to talk about, so let's move on. Uh, uh, I guess Game, Game of Thrones. Is Game news. of Thrones. It's not really like we still know. <laughs> we still know like nothing about that game. Yes, uh, I know. Which is kind of good, but it's also very surprising that they are still insisting that it's going to launch this year. I know, right? I did we did we did when, we talk when about I was, when I was um, writing the article? I always thought. Maybe we should write this, and then I was like, "Well, if you can trust a PR person, who are you going to trust?" Right? Now, I, I think the I think I believe them that they'll launch it. It just feels weird. Yeah, it does. Look, we don't know anything about it, so why does it matter? You're right, though. Should we talk? Should we talk? So, I mean, it, obviously, it's Halloween. It's the week of Halloween. So, did we? Did we? I, I, first of all, did we talk about Resident Evil Revelations two last week? I we, don't think we did. We did not. No. And that was, I feel like that's more news than Game of Thrones is because we know more about that one. It's actually out. So <laughs> it's a whole different ballgame. Um, we, we also have Evil Within. And of course, all through the week, we're, we're posting our, our favorite, uh, you know, kind of scary games, spooky games, creepy games. I don't know, whatever word you want. Um, so, I mean, we got a lot, lot of ground to cover here. Tell, tell me about Resident Evil Revelations, Jay. 
Well, I mean, Resident Evil Revelations was basically, um, I think it it started out as kind of a um, Telltale-esque project for 3DS. Mm-hmm. And the goal was to release Resident Evil in the form of chapters. Um, you know, they're about an hour, two hours long in length each. And the gameplay is a lot closer to the original Resident Evil games, where it's more exploration and conserving ammo, uh, conserving health, running away from enemies, that kind of thing. So the original was for 3DS, and it was re-released for more platforms. Um, it, it primarily stars Jill, but she gets an extra cast of characters. You play as Chris for a little bit, all this kind of stuff. Um, and I have it, I, I got it now for my 3DS because it's much, much cheaper for the 3DS than it is for anything else. Um, and it's actually pretty good. It's got the controls of the new Resident Evils with the, um, close to the gameplay style of the, of the old one. Um, it's a lot more linear, so there's not as much exploration as there was in the, in the first titles. Um, but it's still pretty good. And then Capcom recently announced via um, Game Informer that they were working on Revelations 2, which is going to star Claire, who's back for the first time since, um, I believe, called Veronica in video game form. I don't think we've seen her in a long, long time. Um, so Claire is back, uh, one of Barry Burton's daughters in it. And um, I don't know. I'm just I'm just excited to see what they do with Claire and what they do now that they're developing for um, you know, bigger platforms because they're not going straight to 3DS now. Um, I think it's going to be, I think it's still going to be last gen, but I think it's going to be like available on more consoles. So, um, so does Revelations? I never played it. Does it push the overall Resident Evil like plot forward? I thought this was just kind of like a a combat centric game, like Operation Raccoon City or something like that. No, it, no, it, it does push the narrative forward. It, it kind of shows you what happened to everyone. Um, like in between games, so at, at least that's what Revelations does. So, so oh, okay, but it's, it's it's not like it's not like a numbered entry, like no, it's not like a numbered entry. It's supposed to be kind of like a, a little side project by Capcom, I believe. Like I said, it's episodic, so they they want people to, to download, uh, pay one solid price, and then you get the episodes um, as they come out. Did anybody actually play Resident Evil Six? Nope. No. <laughs> I, I was to play six. I was gonna wait until I figured it would probably have a gold edition like five did with all the DLC yeah. and stuff, and uh, then they never did because <laughs> I think they knew that it was bad and yeah. decided yeah, I, not I, to. And I have I mean, five was by two, so what's the excuse? I, five is I I I was bad. I'd stand up for it a little bit. I don't think five, it's five. Five is fun except for the horribly offensive top. Uh, 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 um, area of the game where my ancestors happened to regress back to primeval times and become literal spirit chuckers jumping out of the bush. Uh, but aside from that, I enjoyed five. Yeah, mm. it was it was racist, but it was uh, racist. It was racist as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> it was racist. And it's funny because I remember seeing like one of these complainy blogs way back in the day that was like, oh, it's going to be racist because this and that. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to ignore that. Yeah, well, no, it was even worse. We made, we made fun of it. <laughs> we spend a lot of time making fun of that. I mean, it just, it just it just happens to take I place. I think we were like, well, maybe, uh, you know. Let's, let's, say, let's say it's very unfortunate that uh, this is the direction they decided to go with it. Um, but I liked, I liked Five. I liked Five. I thought it was a nice... Uh, it, was the, it was the best wrap-up we could get of the Wesker storyline. I'll put it that way. I, I remember the, I got it. I think I got it before you did. Or got it before sold it, but I remember I was telling you guys, oh yeah, you know, it's okay, it's in the city and everything. And then 
<laughs> he literally went into the jungle with like people with grass skirts and spears. Yeah, yeah, like it's very unfortunate. <laughs> it really is. Um, that part of the game is very unfortunate. Uh, yeah, that's a uh, co-op's fun though. It's a fun game. Anyway, I like so, it. So we're actually uh, the storyline is still going on with Forest and Evil because like, I lost a threat like after two. Yeah, Six actually did something that I really... I, I like the idea behind Six, where they split it into multiple... I want to say it's three campaigns. And so, like, Leon gets a campaign, and he has, like... His stuff kind of has, like, a survival horror feel to it. And then Chris gets a campaign, and then his stuff kind of has, like, an action-y Gears of War kind of feel to it. Kind of the direction that it felt like Resident Evil 5 was headed anyway. And so they were right. they were trying to kind of balance that, like, oh, we want bombastic action, but we also don't want to upset all the people who feel like it should be horror first. And so I really like the concept, but it sounds like they just kind of fell flat on a lot of the, the execution. execution. Yeah, yeah. I, I I feel like the Resident Evil storyline is I feel like the early games had a direction, and then I feel like it just kind of got kind of directionless, especially as they released all the not non numbered games. Um, like outbreak was something that didn't need to happen. That was the um, if you guys don't know what outbreak is, I think I linked it in the chat the other day. But outbreak was basically an MMO Resident Evil, where you play as one of I think something like eight survivors, and you're supposed to go online and find other players. It was before Left 4 Dead, um, you know. But even at the time, the gameplay was just like terrible, and the storyline was terrible. So I feel like I, I feel like for a long time, Resident Evil had no direction. And then I feel like they had direction again um, with some of these new titles, with 5 and 6 and with Revelations. Um, so it, that just, I don't know, that, that just feels like what happened to me. So I pegged, uh, I pegged Resident Evil 2 for my, uh, for my spooky pick this week because I think that it's probably the best Resident Evil out of the PSX era. I, th- I don't think anybody would, would contest that. Um, it Nemesis is good, but it, it's just not special the way that Resident Evil 2 is. And 1 is maybe not so great in retrospect. I think that you could make a compelling argument that Code Veronica is superior. But, um, I mean, that's not PSX. And I I think it's also not quite true. But uh, either way, I've, I went back and watched a bunch of gameplay footage to kind of just reminisce. And obviously, of course, it hasn't aged very well. It's very melodramatic. The voice acting's pretty bad. Um, but it's funny because Resident Evil 2, like the last line of the game is is Claire asking Leon, like, what do we do now? And he's like, we have to take down Umbrella. And like they walk into the sunset with like this triumphant music because they're going to take down Umbrella. <laughs> and then I also watched, I went ahead and watched the ending for Code Veronica, and it ends exactly the same way, where Chris and Claire are flying away in a helicopter, and she's like, what do we do now, Chris? And he's like, we have to take the fight to Umbrella. <laughs> well, I think, that's, I think that's pretty much what happens, but I think Umbrella disappears more in the background of the game. And now they're dealing with um, bioterrorists and other corp organizations, all this kind of stuff. And they did kind of do what they said. I think everyone's some kind of special fucking agent now, like Leon and Claire and Jill and Chris, all of them are working for these, like, special agencies, taking down these different groups, exposing... Oh, and that's something else that Revelations makes clear, that, um, you know, the stuff that actually happened in Raccoon City and bioweapons and all that kind of stuff, all that's kind of known by the public now. Journalists exposed it. But all this goes on, like, in the background of the game, and you don't actually 
take down Umbrella I mean, in the game. A lot of a lot of that's in the first like thirty seconds of Resident Evil Four. It's so funny to me because all the games are building up to like this. We have to take down Umbrella, and then you play Resident <laughs> Evil Four, and it's like, don't worry, right all of it. all of that has been solved in a, some in a game you didn't see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now let's it was move, the best game ever. Now let's move on to some other stuff. Some guys with pitchforks. Yeah, the the major enemy in uh, Revelations is this group called uh, Veltro, which is a terrorist group that uses Umbrella's research to. I don't know what their goals are yet. I'm not that far in the game, but it's whatever. Um, I, Resident Evil had some really great GameCube games that I feel like everyone missed, um, which is Resident Evil Remake and Resident Evil Zero. I had and, the I have the remake, um, which is pretty good. Yeah, I never uh, never bothered with Zero. Uh, Zero was good. Zero was good. I, it's, those those are kind of like the last. The last of the of the of the actual um, we'll call it the first Resident Evil era. We'll call it, we'll call it Resident Evil Four and onwards the new era, and we'll call. It, but those games were kind of the last of it, and it was um, much needed, much updated gameplay. And anyone that thinks the tank controls are part of the challenge is a fucking idiot. Um, so the so the gameplay is updated, but it's still the same kind of exploration and. Uh, and just figuring out where things are, like Resident Evil Zero, I think was also designed especially well because um, if you remember the first Resident Evil Zero, a lot more open and a lot less kind of linear. So you could run around between different rooms and uh, collect shit, and then figure out, oh, this opens this, and I can get this weapon, and I can use that to get here, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so Resident Evil Zero was very smart in having everything kind of loop back to the first main area. And you just kind of use the first main area to keep track of all your stuff. You just drop it there. Uh, you run around, explore the next couple of puzzles, come back for whatever you need in the main area. Um, so I, I, I thought it was really good. It's the last time we saw um, Rebecca. You know, she never came back after that game. Resident Evil likes to do that, not bring characters back for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, all, all in all, it's a pretty strong entry into the series. I think I agree with you on Resident Evil 2. I think that's definitely my favorite of the old era. It was my first, I think it was my first survival horror period. I played Silent Hill after I played Resident Evil 2. I remember uh, having to wait for it because I didn't have a PlayStation at the time, and so I had to wait for it to get ported to the Nintendo 64. And uh, I was I was pretty stoked when that happened. And the liquor scared me so much the first time I ran into it. Oh yeah, yeah. There and actually, I had forgotten about Mister X. Uh, yeah. In Resident yeah. Evil Two, who was you know very similar to what later became Nemesis. Yeah. Um, and I forgot how panicked every time I ran into him I would become. <laughs> he definitely ruined a lot of my time. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like I feel like um uh, gamers have like love hate relationship with Resident Evil, but I think the series I've been more pleased with it than not. I can't say that for games I want to say are my favorite, like Metal Gear Solid, which uh where the majority of solid entries are definitely more disappointing than they are good. I've always been it's it's always been like a I've I've enjoyed the lore for Resident Evil games, but I've had a trouble sometimes um beating them like i i don't think that i don't think that resident evil 2 it's it's a good game and i like it and it it evoked a lot of scariness but like it's the tank controls are just so unfun and it's a series well, they're, they're definitely outdated now even back then though i remember being kind of annoyed and frustrated by them and other games that have them are annoying and frustrating too um, I got I uh, I think I think once I got used to one, I was able to go back to Resident Evil. I was able to do Silent Hill, um, you know, because Silent Hill kept the tank controls straight up to the room, 
and so they definitely have more sequels to the tank controls. I did yeah. Nemesis. That was that was fine. Um, what other games did I play with tank controls? Oh, Dino Crisis. Fear Effect. Fear Effect had it. Yeah. I'm, so, I, I'm I, sure there's what, more that I'm not. Did Parasite Eve? I, I, I mean, yeah, Parasite Eve had it. Parasite Eve definitely yeah. had it. Um, yeah. So 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 I'm definitely glad the tank controls are gone. But I feel like if you're like just consistently playing those games back then, it wasn't as big a deal. I mean, it's funny yeah, because in Resident Evil, you're still kind of tankish, you know, like the over the shoulder is still very, um, you know, tight feeling. And uh, if you if you want to talk about tankish, you should uh, talk about Evil Within. Well, and I was going to say, you know, it, it's sad to see how the mighty have fallen and how far, uh, you know, where where Resident Evil 6 is something that none of the four of us even played. Uh, and then... You know, I wouldn't call it the Mighty Have Fallen though, because I we still played five. All of us played five. It's Doug, true. did you play five? You've been very I did. quiet. Okay, so all of us played five. I'm playing Revelations right now, so I can't really say the Mighty Have Fallen. It's like one one turd, which you have to expect from Resident Evil. Resident Evil loves its turds. I mean, the ev- the evil within though, that's the new king. He's the new champion. Is here. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The new uh, new champion's here. It's kind of like. Saying Muhammad Ali is the new champion right now at his current age. So to give the listener a little bit of behind-the-scenes information, I ordered the Evil Within for Jay, and then like an idiot, I shipped it to myself. And so rather than return it and just ship it again, which I should have done because it would have cost like $2 to return it, um, I instead elected to just pay for private shipping to send it to Jay. And... uh, Before I sent it to him, I reconfigured the packaging a little bit to uh, make it look as though I'd given him a better quality product. Um, Which I think you actually did. (laughs) I I think I did, too. (laughs) You gave me me a a CD with pictures of butts. And um, there were two butts on on, on, on the CD. Um, There was a really firm, really nice kind of butt. I really can't tell if it's male or female, but it's a nice butt. So it doesn't matter. It's a great butt. Um, it's a, it's a pretty great butt. I wish I had that butt. Um, and then the second butt isn't as good. It's still good, but not as good. No, it's not still good at all. It's a bad butt. (laughs) I like to, I I like to, if I'm going to spend all that money to ship something, you know, I want to, I want to make sure that I can leave a little personal touch on it. So yeah, I took the, I took the game disc and I just stuck it behind the manual and then I, uh, I went ahead and left pictures of butts. I, 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 Went out of my way to burn a CD of pictures of butts, labeled it, labeled it pictures of butts, and then just had to hope that Jay would be curious enough to load it into his computer to see if it really did, in fact, have pictures of butts. <laughs> and I was. Was it a picture of your butt? No, n- none of those are my butt. I, it's yeah. funny. I sent a picture of it to my wife when I had it all packaged up. And the first thing she asked me, she's like, are there really pictures of butts on that disc? And I was like, yep. <laughs> How could there not be? That's the most important part. <laughs> well, if there's any credit I can give to Evil Within is that it comes with a for real game manual. It does. Yeah, uh, that was a kind of a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Um, so I played the first maybe like two hours of the game tops and uh, I really, really didn't like it. <laughs> and... It's it's already kind of not my kind of game because I I just don't generally play survival horror like I tend to make exceptions for Resident Evil, but uh, this just 
probably wasn't going to ring with me, but it wasn't even so much an aesthetics thing. Like, I think a lot of the monster design and and that kind of stuff is is good enough. You know, it's 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 cool. Yeah, but, but there's just it, this everything about playing it is miserable. <laughs> for the for the first two hours, so let me well, set let me set the stage for my opinion, and then Jay can maybe expand upon it. Yeah, go ahead and, and go from there. So you start the game out um, by being greeted almost immediately by performance problems. Uh, the game runs like ass on the PlayStation Four, and like I, I think it's definitely the worst running game that I've played on that console. Very, very, very easily. And I made sure to purchase it on a Japanese console because I was like, well, if, you know, if they were going to do it good on, on any console, it should be that one. And not so much. Um, but anyway, so it runs terribly. The, there's a lot of frame skip and screen tearing and uh, just it's kind of messy. And, and you start out outside and you're like, oh, when I get in a building, it will get better. And it doesn't. It just kind of stays bad all the time. Uh, so you you start the game with this little segment where you're hanging upside down while you watch a man in the other room like chainsaw apart bodies, and he's obviously you know queuing you up to to arrive next, and so you have to uh, you know kind of escape this this little setup that you're in by swinging back and forth. You grab a knife and you you pull down this knife and then you you know flee from the room and basically run from this chainsaw guy. And he manages to wound you in the leg. So you get a limp, right? It's good. It's realistic. It's it's horrifying. Mm-hmm. Then they make you go through this stealth segment where you have to avoid him. But you've got this gimpy leg. And so, like, you just move so slow. But to... it's okay because the gimpy leg mysteriously disappears the second you escape this guy. You go down an elevator and the leg's gone. The leg's fine again. It's all healed. Oh. Not, only, not only is the leg all healed, but his pants are retailored. Yeah. Yeah. His pants are good as new. He's feeling oh. all, all better. It's a brand of psychological horror. So they, they well, put so you in a guy at all. They put you in the stealth segment that is literally lifted like almost exactly from The Last of Us. Like you're throwing bottles to distract him. And you're, you're hiding behind crates and stuff. The only thing that's not the same is, I mean, you're limping all the time. And then you also don't have the super hearing that helps you in, in The Last of Us. So you can't see this guy. A lot of times you're just throwing a bottle and then hoping that the angle that he's at, he's not going to be able to you know catch up to you. And um, it didn't take me a long time, but it took me long enough to get past it that I was frustrated and annoyed. And I was just, I was ready for some combat. And I finally get away from Chainsaw Man. And I'm like, well, that was interesting. And then I start the next level. And the way that the game basically sets everything up is you have a melee attack, but it pretty much does nothing. And so your ammo is so sparing that for the at least the level that I did, the first one, you pretty much have to remain in stealth still. Um, tell me if this happened to you, Jay. When I got to the uh, the ambulance driver, yeah, uh, and you find your gun for the first time, and it, it's clear they wanted me to shoot the driver, I couldn't. He would rush me, and I could not. I could shoot him and hit him, but I was never actually able to knock him down, and I would just have to run. Um, am I just see, bad at games? Okay, well, I, 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 no, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's bad at games. Not this time. You're off the hook. Um. I think I think 
Evil Within kind of uh, does that a lot, where it confuses you as to whether you're supposed to run in the section or if you're supposed to fight in the section. And really, how I discovered it was just through trial and error. And I think that's, uh, frankly, just bad game design. Because a game, good game design, the game trains you how to play it, right? Yeah. You start out, you start out, um, let's say let's say you are starting out with The Last of Us, and let's say you are starting out with Tomb Raider, because I feel like those two are the closest to Evil Within. And those games train you to kind of keep in stealth at first, but the game kind of lets you know as it goes on, okay, you're stronger now, you can start fighting these things, and you kind of need to fight them to get through. Um and Evil Within does not do that. Evil Within will tell you, okay, you absolutely just stealth through this section, and then you get through a couple of stealth sections, and the next section is like, okay, now this is a combat section, so you're fighting um, some pretty intense combat um, for a couple of sections. It's like, oh, now suddenly it's stealth again. It keeps doing this back and forth. And honestly, I just stopped relying on the game to kind of let me know which is which, because, um, you know, you, 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 you figure, okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just being bad at this game maybe i'm just being stupid but um and there's one boss the uh the, we'll call it a spider lady um she's uh she's just a woman with a couple of limbs and she'll chase you through hallways and um you know if she catches you it's an instant death so i go into this i, I go through this lo- a long hallway um every other door is locked i get to this room and i see her kind of erupt from a body and there's like ammo and everything all around the room so i figure okay clearly i have to fight this this thing um and after two times playing it and dying twice i'm like okay maybe i'm not supposed to fight her so i run back down the hallway one of the rooms mysteriously unlocks um so i continue running away and that's how i was supposed to handle that section so i get to the next section it's a graveyard again it's like it's it's similar to the spider lady boss it's, it's another set of very long corridors um, I see this giant come just out of nowhere. He grabs like a giant column and he crushes and kills, um, you know, one of the haunted in one hit. And I'm like, okay, clearly, you know, this is another long corridor. I'm supposed to run from this guy. I can't deal with him. I start running and my partner starts complaining at me. He's like, I can't fight this thing on my own. I'm like, oh, okay. I have to fight now. Well, sure. I'll do that. So there's, there's, there's like, that sounds like somebody you should be fighting. That no, yeah, like exactly. exactly. It fight. sounds like something you should be fighting, right? It's it's, it's inconsistencies, right? It's, like it's, it's very inconsistent, and I think it's um, you know, so it it's it's always it's always hard to tell when I'm supposed to use stealth and when I'm supposed to be fighting. And um, the closest I've gotten to it is just when the game starts giving me a lot of ammo, then I figure, oh, okay, this is this is a combat section coming up. And when when the game kind of holds back on giving me anything, I'm like, oh, well, I'm supposed to stealth through here. But it's um, it's just I. I feel like forcing you to kind of switch like that just isn't fun. It's like, if you're going to let me be a tank, don't let me be a fucking tank. And if you're not going to let me do anything, then, you know, let's just really have that thing. I think it takes away from the tension and the fear and just all of that kind of stuff. So let me, let me ask a question. Um, I obviously didn't really enjoy the first two hours or so. You're obviously a lot further than that. Uh, maybe the combat kind of fixes things a little bit, but I think from hearing you talk about it, you're probably slanting towards maybe a less than positive score for the evil within. My question would be, is there something that the game could do at this point that would change that? That would like make you be like, oh yeah, never mind. It's actually really good. It's start being a good game. And like, I guess that's what I'm wondering is, has it, are we far enough along that it's just lost all of its goodwill? <laughs> I think I'm pretty much halfway through the game. Yeah, so there's, and there's here's probably what I feel no... Like, here's, what I, here, here's what I feel like happened. I feel like Shinji Mikami 
went to Capcom and he was like, hey guys, I had a blast making Resident Evil 4. I want to make Resident Evil 4 again. And Capcom was like, no, we're not going to let you make Resident Evil 4 again. We want to make a new game. So Shinji Mikami said, okay, well, I'm going to take my ball and go home. And I'm going to found my own game studio and make my own Resident Evil 4. So he creates the studio and there's absolutely no studio oversight. So Shinji Mikami's like, no one can tell me there's no such thing as a medieval village in the United States of America. So I'm going to go ahead and put that in the game. I'm going to put a bunch of other shit in the game that doesn't make any sense. And no one can tell me otherwise, you know, what to do with the gameplay and with, with the environments. No one can tell me this is just utterly wrong. You're suggesting um, that he George lucas it, basically, right? I'm suggesting that George lucas it. Uh, we could say he kojima it in terms of Metal Gear Solid 4. Um, you know, so, so that's what he did. He, he, he went ahead and he made Resident Evil 4 again with absolutely no studio oversight and with a bunch of uh, confusing gameplay. I'm, I'm curious, did you play Shadows of the Damned? I did play Shadows of the Damned. Because he already kind of did make Resident Evil 4 again, except... <laughs> That's like the only game he makes. He just keeps making Resident Evil 4. It was a great game. I can't blame him too much. I love Resident Evil 4. It's probably one of the best <laughs> games that I've ever played. But uh, I, I, it's you already my, played it. Yeah. yeah, I already played it. I would rather not play it two more times. Um, you know, at least not with a new title. If I knew I was buying Resident Evil 4 again, then that would be fine. But um, I didn't know I was buying Resident Evil 4 again. And it's literally, it's literally the same exact thing like 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 i read ahead a little bit in the storyline and even without doing that i could pick it up a little bit it's got a silent hill type premise we'll say it's like silent hill with technology um and don't 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 take that to mean it's good the silent the characters are very technology <laughs> the, the characters are very very shallow in this game and I, they're just not fun and just i know very... what he's talking about because i watched the ending um, yeah it so it does not get better it does. It doesn't get better. So, so um, the main villain, you know, this is all kind of in the main villain's head, and it's hinted that this whole world is constructed as a combination of the main villain and the memories of the other characters trapped inside this big machine. Um, uh, okay. And comas. So, yeah. Um, so I think we. I so, think we're kind of delving into spoiler territory here. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have to mark this one with spoilers if you give a shit. Um, so, so. The, the world is mainly influenced by the main villain's mind. And I'm not saying the main villain is pretty much Wesker, but he's pretty much Wesker from Resident <laughs> Evil. Um, so the main villain, main villain's a researcher. He's a scientist. And he's, he's the most overpowering force in the world. He can make it, you can shape it however he wants. Um, and it's strongly implied that the world he's created is tied to his memories. Only every diary entry you kind of find in the game hints that this guy has been in and out of hospitals his entire life, and then he basically lived in the laboratory. So you got to figure, best-case scenario, this guy probably saw a McDonald's while driving on his way to work. So I need to ask the question, like, like, like legitimately, where are these environments, such as the medieval village, coming from, right? That they're constructed from the memories of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes no sense to the storyline because there's no way anyone's experienced a medieval village. There's no way anyone's experienced a medieval castle. This shit definitely isn't being experienced by Americans, which all these people are supposed to be trapped in the machine. Um, you know, I, but something else, you, that, something else that really irked me. Can I me, not take a, like a vacation, man? The, there's this opening scene where the city that you're in, like starts to kind of fold in on itself, like inception style. And it's very horrifying 
Um, or at least it would be if there was anyone in the city other than you. <laughs> but it's basically just this empty city that's like destroying itself, and you're the only people in it driving a car. I yeah, I, I don't. It's it's which which is a scene. You know, you want to talk about ripping shit straight from games because I I think I think the opening which is very much like Tomb Raider, and I think the gameplay, which is very much like Last of Us, might just be unfortunate timing. But that scene where he's driving through the city, um, that's just straight out of Alone in the Dark vibe. Which oh, yeah. Sure no one's played, but that scene is straight out of that game. One of all the games that you want to riff off of, it's, <laughs> it's definitely yeah, not that it's one. Probably not on the list. Yeah. So, so I don't know. It just it just makes no sense for the storyline. But it when when you remember Shinji Mikami just wants to make Resident Evil Four again, it makes a lot more sense that you're running around through medieval villages. Um, you know, so it's 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 definitely. Oh man, I wish I wish I could like the game, but there's just nothing nothing good about it. And I I, I think maybe I can enjoy kind of the atmosphere a little more and some of the enemies because enemies are, are are better than what i've seen in, in most survivor horrors he did these days but um but all of the all of the kind of like like the, the the graphical stuff is just kind of unforgivable in the game um and it it goes beyond just the frame rate and it goes beyond uh the visual tearing and the jagged edges and all this kind of stuff um some is just flat out lazy you can revive your your partner whenever you have a partner and the revive animation, there is no revive animation. You just kind of stand there, and your partner magically gets better. There are invisible enemies, um, which you don't get a whole lot in the way of cues. Apparently, there's like like sound cues you get, but it's just the enemy is there, and then the enemy isn't there. And that just feels like, oh, I don't feel like coding anything special or animating anything special for the enemy. It's just going to be there, and then it's just going to not be there. Um, and so it's just all very lazy. It's all very kind of like... Uh, you know, it's going to take multiple patches to get this game to run right. Like the like the day one patch that they released, um, I think brings it up to twenty frames per second at best. Well, and their their PC wow. specs are ridiculous uh, too. Like they want like an i seven and all this other stuff, and they're they're not saying they they won't attach. They won't be like this is minimum requirements. They're not even releasing minimum requirements. They're just saying that if you don't have this, we don't guarantee anything, and. Uh, <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty pretty bad i want to sidetrack for a second and i want to i want to put doug on the spot because we've we've all picked our favorite horror games our, our three favorites but since doug kind of only exists in podcast form i wanted to ask do you do you have three horror games that you can think of uh that, no that you because that's not really your jam right no like i'm looking at my game collection right now and they're not even games that are really considered horror, like Last of Us, Bioshock, the original one. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm coming up empty. I have to give some credit to the original Bioshock, though. I uh, I hate to use my my wife as an example, but um, she's there are a couple of games that she's played that she found too scary to proceed, and Bioshock was actually one of them. And I remember she she literally didn't get past entering Rapture because you know that you know that. <laughs> You know that That's very. Game. She's probably. Gonna, it's a little. It could be creepy. She's, I don't. she's probably gonna get mad at me for sharing this, but you know how basically you get in the the bathy sphere and you go down and it opens up and you know that somebody's out in that room there. Yeah. She wouldn't get out of the the sphere. <laughs> she's like, no, it's not happening. And the other one that I remember her playing a lot of um, was uh, Fallout. She played 
a pretty good amount of Fallout 3, but she got to a part where she had to go through like a collapsed subway tunnel and the ghouls were... Those those ghouls can sneak up on you and then it's like, oh, Jesus. They were too spooky. Um, (laughs) But what's funny is I had her play Dead Space and it didn't like phase her at all. (laughs) It was no problem. But uh, but man, those ghouls... (laughs) It's a psychological thing, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. I I I do want to. Um, I do want to make sure we don't have to talk about all of our picks, but I do want to make sure because I've been sitting on it for like three weeks that we talk about the vanishing of Ethan Carter. Um, do you guys know anything about this game? Not at all. I know that Steam recommended to me a lot. It's on Unreal Four, so it's beautiful. Um, but it's also a very stern reminder that you probably need to upgrade your computer. Like it's, <laughs> it's probably time for that. Uh, I've got a F- GTX 560, I want to say. And, uh, it's just not, it, it's made it very clear that it's time for that to go <laughs> and give way to something <laughs> else. But it is a, I, I would compare it most similarly to probably gone home. It's it's kind of gone home, except there are like grisly murders to see. Oh, so exactly like gone home. Go home, but something happens. Yeah. Um, so basically, the game puts you. It's a first-person puzzle game, and you are. Your name is Paul Prospero. You're a paranormal investigator, and you get a letter from this kid named Ethan Carter, who basically says that he lives in this town uh, that's in like the Pacific Northwest. And it's just this very small town. He just kind of lives there with his family. And his family, they've, they've awakened some kind of evil. And it's made his family go crazy and turn against him. And he fears for his safety and wants Paul Prospero to come up and, and help. And by the time you get there, he's disappeared. And uh, not to, it's not really a spoiler to say this. Most of his family has passed on. Um, and so as you, as you kind of traverse the, the levels here, you, not levels really. And so the first thing that's kind of interesting is you get dropped into the world and for the most part, you can go pretty much anywhere you want right off the bat. And that can be a little tricky because there are puzzles to solve, but you might, I, I walked right past the first one, for example. Um, right. and I didn't realize it and I just kept wandering off and I basically got to like the fourth puzzle that I should have done, and that was actually the first one that I wound up solving. So you don't necessarily have to do them in any order. You just kind of have to do them before you finish the game. But the highlight of the game here is uh, what are basically murder investigations. So you'll come across a crime scene where where there's a body, and you know they're all kind of grisly. And the people are usually killed in, like, excessively violent ways. There's a lot of, like, ritualistic overtones to it where there's been, like, drawings and blood and things like that, too. Um, But so you'll come across this body, and what you do is you basically survey the scene, and you try to restore the crime scene to the way it was before the murder happened. So, for example, again, not, I'll, tr- I'll try to just stick to the first one, not to really spoil much, but um, the first uh, person who you find dead has been bludgeoned with a rock, for example. And so you find that rock, and you find the place where it originally came from, and you put it back there, and then you kind of find all these other components to the murder, and once you've located all of the different like set pieces involved in the murder... Um, 
you enter into this mode where basically you see the murder gets separated into like five scenes and you basically have to put the five scenes in the proper chronological order to witness it actually happening. And then oh, once okay. and then once that- you have them in the right order, it shows you like how the whole thing went from beginning to end and then gives you a little bonus scene, which will have a hint as to where Ethan has gone to. That's um, kind of close to Danganronpa, actually. So, like the first, the first murder. To give you an example, the the guy. Um, so, like the first scene that you put into the order is the the murderer picks up a rock and walks over to the other guy, uh, and he hits him once, and the guy falls on these train tracks, and then the murderer actually drives this rail car over the guy and cuts off both of his legs. And the guy, and then the guy crawls away for a little bit before the murderer comes down and and beats him to death. Um, And so you put all that in order, and you get to watch it all play out. And then, like I said, after each one that you solve, there's kind of this little extra scene where you'll see what kind of happened to Ethan in relation to that. And um, it's really, really interesting. It's it's definitely that's my favorite part of the game. There are other puzzles to solve and other things to see, but they're not nearly as interactive. That's probably as interactive as that game gets. Everything else that you're going to encounter is just like, you know, find five things. And uh, the game's not explicitly telling you that, but that's just what what a lot of them boil down to. Um, But I like to imagine it as kind of what I had hoped Murdered Soul Suspect would be like. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like a good version of Murder. Yeah, so if that was a good game, I think it would be like that. Uh, it's it's very gone homey, where you never encounter another person, at least not another living... I, I Well, I don't want to spoil stuff, so I shouldn't say too much, but you, you, this town is empty for the most part. Like, you're, you're not really going to run into anybody or anything like that. Um, and so you're you're piecing this story together via clues, and that's where I make that gone home comparison. Is nobody's really, you know, actually there, like putting on a show for you. You've arrived very much after the fact, and the only reason that you even get to see any of the action is just because you have these kind of psychic abilities that uh, let you recreate the crime scenes. Hmm. But uh, very, very cool game, really unique concept. And what really surprised me is it is by it was developed by a group of people called The Astronauts, who was actually a game studio you guys might have heard of called People Can Fly. Oh, yeah. And you may remember their hit game, Bulletstorm. Yes. This is completely, like, not even within the same realm. Like, it's it, tonally and the type of game, it's, so it's completely different. You don't different. hear dick tits? Nobody talks, nobody talks about dicks or anything like that. Um, it does have... Uh, the other comparison a lot of people make is Mist. The game feels a lot like Mist, uh, just from the first-person nature and the kind of uh, the open-world aspect of it, where like you can go any, anywhere and solve these puzzles in pretty much any order that you want to, uh, and you know just make sure you solve them all before you get to the end. But very cool. If if you're looking for a kind of unique experience, I, I think it's priced at twenty. I think fifteen might be a little bit more of a sweet spot for me if I was giving recommendations. Um, there's at least one puzzle that I found really irritating, and there's also uh, I think the last murder they kind of just ran out of ideas, and it's it's pretty uninteresting. <laughs> but everything else is great. So. He just went up to him and like punched him in the face. It's also coming to PlayStation 4. So if your computer can't run it, 
you you are going to have some options a little later on. The computer can definitely not run it. Actually, I don't think I showed you what uh, the Civilization Beyond Earth demo looks like in my computer. I mean, it might work. Like Unreal, to its credit, I, I'm unwilling to turn my settings down. So uh, it, I bet if you've dropped everything down to the lowest, you might be surprised how much you're able to get out of it. Um, <laughs> but I just I just couldn't be bothered to do that. So I, I basically ran it with like the occasional frame skips and uh, just called it called it good that way. It's the game is is slow paced and not actiony enough that it ever was a problem. And I would rather look at pretty game than uh, than see my you know the, I, it wasn't a big deal to have the frames go down. Well, good enough, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, so definitely recommended. Um, do you guys want to talk about Shantae? We talked about it a little bit before, but I wasn't recording. Yeah, sure. I mean, so where everyone is acting as though I should know what this is, and I did not know what it is. I looked it up. The original came out on the Game Boy Color, but yeah. it, it came out a year after the Game Boy Advance had come out. Yeah, it's kind of weird. So I can see where things went wrong pretty early <laughs> on. Doug, um, d- Doug, back me up here, because both these guys know it. Did you know what Shantae was? I might have seen it at the store once, but... I don't really know anything about it. Okay, so sell me on Shantae, Jay. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's essentially a two D platformer, but it keeps a lot of um, action adventure um, elements, Metroidvania elements, we'll say. Um, I mean, it's it, there's nothing really sell you on. It's it's like it's just a it's a cute, fun game. You like that kind of gameplay. Um, it's not a bad investment. Um, I think so. The one I played was Shantae and the Pirate's Curse. And the game is a continuing narrative, but there's only really four games. And the narrative is so simple that it doesn't matter that much. Um, the, the story is basically you have Shantae. She's a half genie, uh, you know, because her genie mother got it on with a human father. She doesn't know who her real parents are. And she chose to protect this town called Scuttletown. Um, and this leads her to a lot of encounters with her nemesis, Risky Boots. And Risky Boots is kind of like the Ganon or the Wily of the series who comes back to be a constant pain in uh, Shantae's uh, quite round ass. Um, so the, the the game usually revolves around stopping Risky Boots. This time, uh, the Pirate's Curse changes the formula a little bit by having you and Risky team up and you hop from one island to the next. Um, and the objective is to explore these things called Dens of Evil. And destroy the, destroy you destroy the final boss of the den of evil, and you do this to prevent um, some ancient pirate who is a really bad guy from coming back to the world. Um, I think it's the most solid platformer I've played in a very long time. I feel like that a lot of the platformers that come out these days are very gimmicky. So each one is like, oh yeah, uh, this is a new platforming game. And you should buy it because gravity is in reverse. Or you should buy this platformer game because you can control lights and shadows. And, you know, the games have, like, one cute gimmick and then nothing else kind of really follows through. So I feel like Shantae just really gets all the mechanics down um, packed for the gameplay. It's, you know, you it, it, it kind of challenges you to pay attention to what you're doing in terms of the platforming. The enemies can... Um, get to be pretty strong towards the end of the game. 
and you get um your little pirate gear as it goes on. You get like a cannon that allows you to triple jump, and you get her um or what it was it called her scimitar, which allows her to just kind of ram through enemies at high speeds. Um, it's it's a, it's got all that all around. It's it it, it feels kind of like Zelda, but it's a lot closer. It, it's just basically a two D platformer. Um, and for the 3DS, I think, which I paid like 20 bucks to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just a, it's just a, it's just a solid type game. The music's really good. The humor's fun. There's nothing to really, you know, there's something there's nothing really groundbreaking about it. But for everything that it goes out to do, it does it very well. I'll say. Hmm. Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll take a look at it and. And uh, I say that, but probably not. There's so many. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it should, so many games to it's play. About, it's about. I saw one review that it's about uh, seven hours long, and it took me ten hours. So it doesn't run very long. But if you're like, let's say you're 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 out and you're taking a lot of business trips and you're flying or you're commuting or whatever, the game is broken up so that you can play it in kind of little bite-sized chunks. So you get to the first island. Um, you know, there's a quick puzzle to solve. You gotta, you gotta help this guy, um, uh, unpetrify his petrified wife. He's like, oh, this is the love of my life. I need her back. I can't stand to be without her. So Shantae has to go and find the petrify spell. She finds the spell. She brings it back to the guy. Uh, the guy recites the spell and he ends up petrifying himself, which sends him and his wife crashing through the ground. Um, and unfortunately kills them both, but Shantae gets access to a new area. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's always an upside. So, um, oh well. Yeah, yeah, it's a big oh well. So, so Shantae then explores this new area. Uh, there's another puzzle, little puzzle to solve there, and once she solves that puzzle, then she gets access to the den of evil. And there's a lot of, um, you know, there's save points. The save points are nicely paced throughout the game. So, you know, once you've solved a good amount of it, the game's like, okay, here's another save point. Um, you know, so it's great. It's a great title if you're traveling a lot, um, or if you're commuting a lot. But if you intend to just sit down and just play it, then it's not going to take you very long. By the way, I have to. I, I don't know why it made me think of this, but I have to comment. I've been playing uh, Persona. I think I was yeah. just. I was thinking of how I would make time on my handheld lifestyle, and uh, Persona is is making it hard to kind of put anything else in there. Um, I just got, you guys are like the experts, so I want to ask, I just got to the point where I can finally like choose what to do with my day. What, what do I do? Uh, you get a guide because if you don't follow it precisely, you're not going to get the true ending of the game. I don't know if you guys played golden, but it does this thing where, um, you can tap a button in the corner and it will show you a list of what other players did. Um, I didn't. I didn't know it had that feature. Yeah, I know Golden. I, Golden's good. I think uh, if, it's, if they're going to do a port of a game, uh, it's a really good port. And so, like, that's cool. But all the people that I'm looking at, it says they spent the day with Marie, and uh, I don't know how to spend the day with her. Well, it's just because she's the new kind of um. She's she's in uh, the she's in the Velvet Room or whatever. She, she she's the brand new character that everyone. That's basically what. I bet you the people that own Golden and play Persona 4 are like, well, she's the only character I haven't seen, so I'm going to go ahead and do that. Yeah. So, but honestly, just spend time with whoever you want to spend time with. Does it, um, I, Can I take people to the bone zone? Yes, you can. Oh, I can. Yes, but you have, to, you, have to, you have to work for it. 
But and is it worth it? Am I going to get like a a good reward for doing that? Yeah, it's very worth it. it. You know, getting to them them to the bone zone will get you uh, both very powerful personas. Could I take multiple people to the bone zone? You can, but it's risky. Or if I pick one, am I just stuck with that? No, you're not stuck with one. Um, you can choose to friend zone anyone you want. Because it seems like I have. It seems like my options are either like loudmouth Chie or yep. quiet kimono girl, whose name I can't you remember. Go. Yeah, you can go. You what about the bear? More. Can you take you the little get, bear? Uh, you sorta. The guy, the guy is is gay. He's, Do the bear, Jared. He's bi. He's bi. Well, so that was going to be my other question: is what about what about uh, like Yos or whatever? Can I? Yosuke? Will he come to the bone zone with me? No, he won't. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's very adamant about not. But listen, you get, you get you get two more. Do you remember? Do you remember when you started the game? You saw a sexy girl in a bikini. Mm-hmm. She's 15. Oh, first of all, great. <laughs> so there's but, that. But second of all, she joins you later on, so you can take her to the bone zone. And then um, okay. the, the the last member of your party is um, this guy Naoto, but spoiler alert, he's not actually a guy; he's a girl. So uh-huh. you can go ahead and romance her too. Okay. But, romance, but romancing Naoto is kind of a big move. For, but but, since but see. no, but but spend time with your uncle and spend time with your cousin. Can you take your uncle to the bone zone? Um, you know, your uncle kind of wants to just throw you in jail for the rest of your life. Maybe <laughs> hey, you can take your cousin to the bones. I, I already, don't know. I already got in trouble once for wielding weapons in a mall. Yeah, there you go. See, so, yeah, I, sh- I, I didn't. You didn't know that was against the law, so that's kind of unfair, unfair to you. Well, I, I, yeah, it was. It was problematic. So, okay, so you've been to the mall. So, you, so you've done Yosuke's boss. You've done Yosuke's shadow. I've done Yosuke and Chie's. Oh, and you've done Chies, okay. Yeah, so I have both of them. Um, it feels like Yukiko is probably important, but I've never even, like, I don't even see her. She's next. I mean, the game the game will guide you to, you, you'll, you'll know when a character is coming up. You'll, you'll, you'll just know. You know yeah. there's, there's a part of the game. Um, so, how long is the game? Is it like 40 hours? It's like, you wish. <laughs> yes. if, I, if I fuck up, like, super hard... Because um, I know I can fuck up, right, and get the bad yeah. ending or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Does that reset all of my progress, and I have to go start over again? Because um, I don't think I could bear that. This game is <laughs> this game is so that's why, slow. That's why I told you to get a guide. Um, I I so I played Persona Three all the way through, and I I, I was a really big fan of Persona Three. Um, but Jesus Christ, there was such a time sink in that game, and just mixing. And, and getting all the best personas and all this kind of shit. It just took 70 hours of my life away. So I start playing Persona 4 on the PlayStation 3. Um, and I get up to the point where I basically have all my party members. Um, and then I realize, you know, I was following a guide. I realized there was an event that was supposed to happen with my, with my um, cousin and my uncle that didn't happen. And I was so off rails. I'm like, okay, it's only kind of... Um, because it's a, it's a year long, right? So it's, it's I was only halfway through the year. And I'm like, okay, I already fucked up. And I'm not going to be able to finish those uh, relationships in time. So it made me stop playing. And Lucio honestly got me back into it. Because Lucio started watching the anime. And he kept talking about it and all this kind of stuff. So I got it, I got golden. And I started playing from there. Um, but it I, I honestly, Persona 4, especially coming off of Persona 3, it's so close to the same gameplay that 
you know, after a while, you're like, uh, I don't know if I can do much more of this. Um, so if you want to be guaranteed the true ending of the game, I would definitely just follow a guide part. Um, I, don't, I don't even if know. You, if, you don't, if you don't care that much, then just go ahead and play it, and you're just going to feel unfulfilled with the rest of your life. <laughs> I'll always remember. I um, <laughs> I finished Persona 3, and I did, I did a guide because it's just... I don't know if 4 is the same way, but there's so much... There's no room for for an error in, in 3. I, I didn't use a guide for 3, but it's, it's definitely more important in 4. And I'll tell you why. It's because in 3, um, the social links, which is what they call your relationships in the game, the social links in 3 um, don't particularly have a strong effect on the end of the game. You might miss a, much, a couple of cutscenes, but that's right. it. But in 4, the social links with your cousin and with your uncle are super important to getting the true ending. And if that is not on target, then you just fucked it up. Um, I think there's I think there's a certain cutoff point where you can start to fuck up the ending regardless of how well you did with them. But if you don't do good with them at all, then you can just kiss that true ending goodbye. I just played it on an emulator and then just used the speed up function. <laughs> oh, wait, did you? I didn't even know. I didn't even know you'd played Persona. I, I only played probably until when you get like the that dude who's gay yeah oh yeah uh, yeah all, all of them he's a closet oh. closeted homosexual and that's, that's homosexual. when i stopped why did you Yo, why did you stop doug yeah why did you stop doug because you got what he wanted <laughs> even with the speed up function it was just too much i mean like um, i said for uh, persona 4 is slow you're, you're gonna you're gonna realize in persona 4 that all your friends are very very sexually repressed yes that's kind of the theme of the thing it's kind of the theme of the game. Oh, I'm excited. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't sure if I was going to get to have sex with people, so that's exciting. Oh, well, do you get? Sure. Do I, just, just decide on your girl and stick to her. I don't feel like either of them are particularly good choices. I, well, you get two more options. So you're still I, missing the best girl. So the descriptions of either of those don't really sound good either. <laughs> I feel like I feel like just based off what I know so far, it would probably be Chie. Well, well, figure out. Which persona type you like the best then, and oh. just go with that girl? Okay, I don't even really know that yet. How okay. long? How long do I have to decide all this? You got you got a you got a couple of months ahead of you. You got until the game. You have until December. Okay, all right. That's you know, uh, well, no. You got to start remo- romancing them in, before December. Let me put it that way. December is usually the cutoff point when things get real. I have I have uh, two things that I want to hit on before we before we're done. One is one is for Lucio, but one is for Doug because I'm curious. Did you bother with Lords of the Fallen? Uh, no, not yet. Do you think you will? I don't know if I want to buy it at full price. Yeah, it sounds like the way the reviews are is that like I don't want an easier Dark Souls. Maybe not worth it quite. Yeah, um, it. I mean, if it's red box, it I might just red box it and try it out, but. How um that is what it's called, right? Lords of the Fallen? Yeah. It's such a that's a shitty name. It's kind of generic. <laughs> Shadows of the Fallen. I thought that's what it was for a little bit, but it's not. Um all right, I was just curious if if you were going to bother with that cuz it came out and it got it looks like it's doing pre- pretty good, but I mean why not just wait for Bloodborne? Yeah. You know, just be patient and get that. Um and then the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Lucio uh, has the Legend of Korra, <laughs> which I'm really out of touch with the you know the kids and the and the avatars or whatever. 
Um, how many Skylanders did you catch in Legend of Korra? <laughs> None. Trap team. Legend of Korra trap team. <laughs> what What is a Korra? Is that a person? It's a person, yeah. So is, is, it, a, is it a babe? Yeah, yeah, she's pretty. She's pretty hot. She's a babarina. You know, and in a sporty kind of way, you know. So let's pretend that I've never even seen an Avatar thing. Are we pretending, or is this actually the case? What is a wind? <laughs> what is a wind bender? So the way the Avatar world works is um, people can control for the four classic elements: so air, water, earth, and and fire, and heart. Oh, like like a band. Yes, like earth, wind, fire, and also earth. <laughs> Uh, and here, so and, and heart. You keep who, forgetting heart. Who, who's who's the best band member? Who's the best band? I don't even know who the Earth, Wind, and Fire band members are. Okay, mm. so so uh, let's go back here. So who's the bald kid? I, I I don't I don't think you have any right to talk about this game. Then. Is the bald kid Avatar? So the bald kid isn't even in this thing. This is a sequel for. But tell, tell him what the Avatar is. So basically, the Avatar is uh, a reincarnating person who can control all four elements. So Korra is, is the bald kid. So Korra is the bald kid, yes. Wait. And she's also Korra. <laughs> Are, uh, the different people are with the same soul. That's pretty Oh, much. okay. So like imagine the Dalai Lama. And kids but, follow uh, this? Actually cool power. Yeah. Oh, kids love this. Kids are like, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, it makes, it, that's, that's, are you kidding? This is like the simplest thing in the entire podcast. It's talk about Persona Four. And we talk about Evil Within. Persona Four is pretty simple. There's only there's only two people to bang. Oh no, 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 no! It, it gets oh, much more complex, more. my friend. This seems like it's going to be a pretty easy experience. Ah, uh, okay. Come back. It, it's so anyway, the game. so anyway, she's basically the Dalai Lama. She can control all four elements, and she's supposed to be like a spiritual guide, just she's like the Dalai Lama, right? Um, the series kind of revolves around her trying to come to terms with, you know, shit being harder than she expected and things like that, you know, usual, um, you know, usual kind of plot. The game, um, has really nothing that makes the cartoon special. Uh, it has nothing of the world. It has only three, um, three, uh, environments. <laughs> it has none of the characters. It's only her for the entire game, and like one other character that uh, kind of guides her through through the game, telling you what you need to do. And that's it. Now, is this um, this was this was made by Platinum, wasn't it? Right. So, is it a beat 'em up, like a Bayonetta kind of thing? It's exactly that. Because the and series, the the source material, seems like it would lend itself better to like an RPG, don't you think? No, I don't think you don't think so. You think beating up is is probably the way the powers work. It's very it's based on uh, martial arts. Oh, okay. So punching and kicking is good, right? Mm -hmm. So, and and that's what it's weird to me about the Legend of Korra game is that it's a horrible like fan service game, but the actual gameplay is pretty solid. Like usually when you saw a licensed game. You expect, you know, uh, to have, I don't know, 75 outfits and, you know, weird pizzas of trivia and, you know, having all the characters kind of jumped into the game. Um, but it does none of that. It's mm-hmm. just kind of her alone for maybe four hours at the most. Well, she needs time to think. No, she's spitting up people. 
Um, speeding up his thinking. Well, I guess, you know, if that's what you do for relaxing. But, <laughs> um, so, so there's like none of, uh, you know, no, none of what you expect. There's like, there's three altered outfits and one of them is actually just like the same outfit but with a lighter palette. It's not even a different color. It's just lighter shade. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like, you know, no other characters. The gameplay is pretty solid but the game is so short and there's, so, there's nothing to unlock. It's kind of like, why? Why would All you right. remember? Uh, if you had a choice between Shantae and Korra, you're just saying go with Shantae. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know ho- who I can like recommend this to because if you're a Korra fan and you know you want to play a game where you can see all the people and you know enjoy the world and have a meaningful experience that ties into the series, then this is not a game for you. And if you're looking for a beat 'em up, then Platinum itself has better beat 'em ups. What if I enjoyed the Avatar movie uh, by M. Night Shyamalan? Oh, then you're going to think the Legend of Korra game is a masterpiece. <laughs> so that'll yes. probably be okay. Yes. yes. Is, so that's that the audience. <laughs> is, Leg- is Legend of Korra its own cartoon? Yes. Oh, okay. But it's like a spinoff, right? Like she was in Avatar. It's a sequel. It's, it's a sequel. Oh, so they don't even, she never met Bald Kid. She has. She is Bald Kid, but she never met him. She's met him. Oh, Bald no, Kid, Bald no, Kid no, died. No. Spoiler alert. <laughs> In order for her to have been born, he needed to die. So, so, so she is not in the M. Night Shyamalan movie. No. Because she didn't exist yet. Well, no one from the Avatar universe is in the M. Night Shyamalan movie. Because, Was she in uh, the James Cameron movie? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. I, I, I'm with you now. <laughs> so she, the, the Avatar dies and is reincarnated. So in order for her to exist, the bulky has to die. So who comes no, after her? Do we know yet? We don't no. know who comes after her. But the, but she can commune with the spirits from her past lives. Just uh, like the ball you, you need, you, you need to keep watching. Oh, because <laughs> oh, she gets. I, I know. I know she gets cut off. Yeah, she gets cut off. Um, that wasn't my point. <laughs> my point is. Um, your point is that they did meet because they are one. They're one. The yes. Same, same spirit. It sounds like heavy stuff. It's not. No, it's actually pretty well handled. I don't know why you're having so much trouble with this. I'm really not wrapping my head around it. I think I listen, and I have a pretty deep understanding of Resident Evil's overarching mythology. I see that's what confuses me. Like of all the shit we talk about today, for some reason, the easiest one for you to grasp. Yeah, you know, I mean, Wesker, he's just got like superpowers and stuff. But he, because of a disease. But he died, but he, he didn't got, He got die. superpowers from a disease. Yeah, he injected... And this, makes, this makes more sense to you it was, than a spirit that reincarnates. I don't remember if it was the T-virus or like maybe the G-virus, but it was one of those. God, I want to spoil the ending of Persona 4 so bad for you. <laughs> I'm going to try... I'm going to try... Maybe, like, maybe what we should do is every week from now on until I'm done with the game... I'll give you guys like a play-by-play on what's going down in Persona and do my best to like explain to you what I think is happening. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. And you just try to restrain yourselves and not tell me how wrong. Sure. That's sounds sure. like sounds good. Okay. I like, I like the sound of that. Sounds like it would be fun. 
Is there anything else that you guys wanted to make sure we hit on? I want to talk about our Steam page a little bit, but... Uh, we didn't really talk about the spooky picks at all. We, yeah. we didn't, we didn't, but we're also running it like an hour and 13 minutes. <laughs> is there, let, me, let me ask, let me ask, is there something in your guys' spooky picks that you feel like we... I, I kind of talked about my two of mine. What's your, what's your highlight on your picks, Jay? Um, probably Darkwood. Really? Yeah. I thought it looked I mean, like... I, I, I know some of the sea sounds were interesting... But Darkwood is more accessible right off the bat. Mm, okay. Um, you know, yeah, some of C takes a lot of like figuring out their menus and getting used to it. And, um, you know, you have to like reading to do it, um, which I do. But it takes a lot of getting used to. I think, I think Darkwood is uh, a lot more immediately accessible and is easily more describable. Um, and it's kind of, it's, it's got the same um, narrative feel of a game like Silent Hill. And the gameplay of all these new kind of, um, you know, exploration and survival games like Rust, your beloved Rust and Project Zomboid. Mm-hmm. So the goal is during the day, you can generally hunt around for materials, but you can also advance the storyline by talking to different characters, um, you know, exploring different places. And then when night starts to set in, you got to get your ass back to your house because you got to get a drink of water from your well so that you don't decay. And then you got to lock those doors because there are monsters coming for you. Um, so it's Minecraft. What's that? So it's Minecraft. Uh, no, it's not Minecraft <laughs> because because this 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 one set out with a very real intent for its narrative and didn't decide it was just going to put a bunch of spooky monsters in later on. Um, so yeah, that's it's that, that's kind of it. And I think you know for being an isometric game, that's why I shied away so long. I played other horror isometric games and it's always just oh go and shoot a lot of shit and shoot a lot of zombies and run around and i think for um being isometric it's very very atmospheric and does a really good job of what it says out to do so what um what was your third pick sunless sea no you no, no you're third you, you said you mentioned sunless sea and darkwood what's the middle one? Oh, of uh, um five nights at freddy's oh that's right all right and we've already talked plenty about that yeah talk about a bunch lucio tell me about your picks so i think considering what we talked about this uh, podcast the most relevant one is the suffering which is actually the one that i understand the least so <laughs> of course it is <laughs> so is everything happening in his brain you don't you don't actually never find out oh you never find out he's crazy as he's fucking crazy as hell so um basically you meet all these people and some of them are ghosts, some of them are alive, all of them die horrible deaths. Um, what makes the suffering interesting was one of the first games that I felt tried to kind of have a character that didn't feel like a tank when you were controlling him. And they kind of made up for that by making the enemies extremely capable too, and also scary as fuck. Mm-hmm. So I think it worked very well, and it's interesting because there's a lot of games where we saw like you know, main characters that are very competent, but then the monsters are still kind of shambling, you know, very slowly towards you. Mm-hmm. And the suffering doesn't do that. They all, like, fucking jump on you and run after you. And one of the things that uh, Torque has is that he can turn into this huge monster once his insanity gets high enough. You don't really know if that's going on or not. You don't really know if anything is going on or not. All you know is that there was a, an earthquake and that opened the, the door to the prison and then people started dying. 
and you don't know if it's you that's doing it or if it's, uh, you know, if the monsters are actually real, and you don't, know, don't really find out. Um, what you do find out, though, is depending on your actions, whether you actually killed your family or not. So let me ask, uh, uh, and so I think you mentioned in your in your article about it that there was like a different endings that you could get, right? That, right. that resolve whether or not you killed your family. Mm-hmm. So there's no like answer for that. Are you out of just a quick poll? Is Lucio the only one here that's played this game? Yep. Jay, did you play the suffering? I did not play the suffering. No. Hmm. So. Um, it doesn't sound. Uh, uh, so what is it like? Are you shooting people or? Yeah, there's guns. There's melee weapons. Okay, it's... so you're just kind of doing everything because you know what the gameplay looks like. I looked at a video online and what it kind of reminded me of a little bit. Obviously, it's more creature centric, but and I came very close to adding this game to my spooky picks because I think it's a really effective uh, horror um, manhunt. Yes, it is similar to that. It looked, it looked like it. It, it made me reminisce a little bit of uh, of Manhunt. It's not as personal as the Manhunt executions, but yes, right, it's very right. All right, cool. I guess the other one that's, um, I mean, I guess Fatal Frame is a pretty well known franchise. In horror, it's funny. I haven't played any of your picks. I don't think I've played Fatal Frame, but never the second one. Yeah, I played Fatal Frame one too, but I like the second one is that it felt more it felt scarier, really. The it's, second one yeah. has twins. <laughs> it's not only that, but um, you know, she's scared headless, and it kind of gets to you. It's pretty interesting. Actually, the other one that came... I, I shouldn't say all this because I'm just ruining whatever my list could be next year. The other game that I came really close to listing was uh, Clock Tower. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, the Super Nintendo version. I don't know if you guys ever... I didn't even know there was a Super Nintendo version. It, the series started on the Super Nintendo, and you can only get it on an emulator as a uh, as a translation because it was only in Japan. Oh, okay. But there's fan translation ROMs out there now. And... Uh, God, that game's good. Like, it's it's so fucking scary. Well, and then if you played the Clock Tower series, and um, or if you played Haunting Ground, I think you're going to be even more disappointed with uh, Evil Within because it sets itself up like that. Yeah, that's true. And then it doesn't follow through. Doesn't doesn't deliver that. I to go back to Evil Within. The other thing that drove me nuts in the intro, and this is such a stupid thing to complain about, but there's this. The, there's a scene where this chainsaw man is chasing you and he um, he catches up to you, right? And he hits you with his chainsaw and it knocks you to the ground and you're injured. And then he pushes a button that drops a cage or like a wall in between him and you. And then it, it turns on this elaborate like murder device with a bunch of like spinning <laughs> blades that are supposed to chop you up. And then, and then you're supposed to run away from these spinning blades, and you, of course, find a trap door at the end of the room that you drop down into. So, you know, it looks like you're stuck, but you're, you're not. You're fine. But, like, why, why did he do that? <laughs> to terrify you. If he wanted to chop you up into little pieces, why didn't he just kill you and then turn on the murder machine? He wanted to spook you first. It was yeah, like, I, I don't know. It's just, it, it's, a, it's an incredible, like, James Bond moment. 
you know, where the villain would rather risk you escaping just to watch you die slowly and agonizingly instead of just getting the job done. And he at least monologue. It totally messes with the the horror element to me. Yeah, I mean, he does, that character doesn't talk, but if he did, I'm sure that he would have delivered a long dialogue or or some kind of snappy quip about like you know don't get ground up into meat. That's not yeah, very. It's not a very and snappy quip. But speaking of old games, uh, my other game is uh, I have no mouth and I'm a scream. Um. Which I only put because uh, GOG recently announced that they were going that they had it on on their catalog. I mean, the game was hard to find. The game published on disturbing. Steam. It is. Oh, it I is. Know. I don't know if it's like been redone though. You can still you can buy lots of games on Steam that don't actually like. I bought Fallout Two on Steam and it it barely runs. So yeah, that's why I rather yeah. look at GOG for that kind of thing. Yeah, so it'd be nice if GOG took care of that. GOG has it. Oh well, there you go. So that, that's why I put it because I saw that and I was, huh? Um, that, I can't. Uh, I can't. Creepy as fuck. I can't wait until God betrays you all. It's funny because we both picked adventure games, which I actually think makes for pretty good horror. And Clock Tower, the original, is an adventure game too, um, of kind of a point and click variety. But I put Maniac Mansion on mine as well, which isn't an overtly scary game, but definitely like maintains those Halloween overtones. And I, I, I'm assuming everyone here's probably played it, right? Yeah. Okay. Doug? Which one are we talking about? Maniac Mansion. I have. I haven't never gotten very far in it, though. I'm okay. not good at it. This is a tough game, but it's got a lot of, like, kind of jump-scary moments where the family will catch you in the house, you know? Um, so the entire time that you're playing the game, you kind of have this feeling of, like, oh, I'm sneaking around and stuff. And so when you get busted and they catch you, it, it does provide kind of a nice little... Uh, they may, not necessarily a jump scare, but you know you're a little startled. Then they put you in that damn room, and I can never get out of it. God damn it! Yeah, it's a little tricky. To get. It's another game where I think to to maximize it, you really need a guide. But anyway, I think that uh, I think those are all of our picks. Michael has promised to deliver some from the zoo on Thursday, so hopefully, oh, oh. all right, hopefully he'll follow through and we'll get some of that. Um, and then I wanted to make sure that we talked a little bit about our Steam Curator page because we started one. We went ahead and bought into the evil. Um, so if you have Steam, you can go to the curators. You can look up Enemy Slime. I think right now what we're trying to do is any game that we score a five or like a four with high praise, I think we're we're generally trying to copy those over. There are games that have earned fours on our site that... You could still tell from the tone of the review that like it's a light four, and so I've tried to exclude those. I've tried to exclude, you know, just mostly include the stuff that we're really enthusiastic about. Um, but I don't know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll add just anything that has a four period. Nah, I think I like our system. You know, what, you know what I mean, right? Like there's there's like a yeah. there's a four, and then there's like a four. It's like oh well, this is a four because uh, there's this one little problem and. Me with uh, Transistor. Yeah, the game was fucked when I um, when I reviewed it, but I loved it. I had to put it, give it a four, but I wish I could have given it a five. Yeah, you know, it's just like, it, for me, it's like uh, there are either games where I would have felt bad if I'd given it a three because I felt like it was better than that. But um, at the same time, you know, it wasn't wasn't a favorite. And then there's like well, what you're describing where, man, this is great, but there's this one thing that I just can't get over. 
I, I, I know that for me, technical issues are always an automatic deduction of a point. So even within, you're going to get a technical deduction, which is going to knock it down to a two. But um, Saints Row 4 got one as well. And that was, um, you know, but other than the technical issues, I really enjoyed the game. So, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's one I'll have to add to our uh, recommendation list, actually, because I don't think I included that. But anyway, go follow us. Go uh, go read our, our, our selections. You can, of course, check out our website. It's enemyslime.com. If you're not already, you should go follow us on Twitter, Facebook, subscribe to us on iTunes, all that good stuff. We're at The Enemy Slime on those services. Uh, if you want to write into us and have us read your email on the podcast, you can reach us at contact at enemyslime.com. And uh, I think th- I think that's it for our spooky. And if you want pictures of butts, just email us, and Jared will send you a CD-ROM of butts. Yeah, I'll burn them to a disc. I did that at work, by the way. <laughs> Good. So there you go. Hooray! <laughs> so I was being paid to do it. There you go. All right. Well, I think with that, we are uh, most certainly out. <laughs>